series, what life would be like if Jesus was here? How, how would your life change? And, and we talked the first morning about how would our church service be different if Jesus actually walked in the door. And we talked about some of the things that would, would be a little different, some things that would, would be awesome to us and would strike us in a, in a very special way. Um, and then last week we talked about, I think, the thing that would have blown us away would have been as he demonstrated his love for people. And, and you guys know about loving one another, and I know that there's, there's a lot of love that goes on between us and amongst us as we, as we care about one another and think about one another. But I think even then, Jesus' love would blow us away as we realize that his love wasn't limited to us, but it was, it was for everybody, every place, all times. And so this morning, as, as, I, as I look through the New Testament and, and look at the uh, words of Jesus and the things that Jesus has said, I think the next thing that would impress us would be his holiness. I don't think that is something we would miss. Because, you know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was without sin. And if we were to spend very much time with someone without sin, don't you think that would become noticeable? Uh, I know if you spend much time with me, you're going to see a sinner and, uh, and vice versa. You know, but, but if we spent time with Jesus, we would realize that we were walking in the presence of somebody who never messed up. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Let's just be honest with one another for a minute. Um, it could be intimidating to always be around somebody who always knew the right thing to do and did it. You know, when I was thinking about this this morning, this isn't in my notes, I just put a note here. As, as I was just thinking about it and meditating on it, I thought, you know, back when, uh, back when I worked every day at the church I would always took Friday off and on Friday I would go play golf usually I had a group of guys that I played with but not always sometimes I'd go down and I'd just start playing I'd play with whoever showed up there at the time and I'll, and I'll never forget it, it, always made a re, it, it always made an impression on me when somebody would ask you sometimes right on the first tee sometimes after three or four holes and they would ask you what you do, as soon as you say, well, I'm a pastor, their first response is, have I said anything I shouldn't have? You know, I'm going to have to watch my language the rest of the, the, rest of the, uh, the, the day. And, and I'm wondering if, if that might be what it would be like if all of a sudden we realized that Jesus was with us. Am I going to have to watch my language? Am I going to have to... To watch what I do, watch what I say, watch what I uh, what I'm involved in, you know, because um, we would be with somebody who never messed up. Well, let's let's read the scripture. It's in First John. I'm going to read from uh, chapter one, verse five, 
all the way through chapter 2, verse 6. Okay, so it's a little bit longer than I normally read, but I just want you to listen to what John, this is John the Apostle, John who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and was there at the Last Supper with Jesus and John who was there at the cross when, when Jesus said to him, John, you take care of my mother after I'm gone. You know, this is the John that many years later wrote this, these, these words. <clears throat> Listen to what he says. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commandments. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Okay. So is your response to that, wow. Wow. That's a high standard. He's, he's put a high standard there on us. There's a, there's a really high level of Let's not miss the commandments. Let's live without sin. And, uh, you know, in verse 5 he said, and this is the message, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So Jesus has no darkness in him. As he is, as he is walking in our world and we're walking with him, we see that, the, that, that, that he is perfectness. He is just perfect in every way. And if you, if you want to understand the meaning of the phrase God is light, <clears throat> we can go back to where um, John wrote in his gospel back in John, in John chapter 3. Uh, he, he wrote this in verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Now remember he's going to say that, that God is the light. God is the perfect light. And here he says, light has come into the world. But men left dark, loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. And so if we draw that conclusion into, into our discussion, what he was said is, is that, that Jesus is so perfect, so sinless, that people would rather not walk with him. 
They would rather not be around him because he is so, so sinless. Because they would rather do their evil deeds. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he has done has been done through God. So being in the light means having your life exposed. Having people be able to see what, what's in your life and what's, what your life's like. It's the very opposite of being in the dark. You know, in the dark, you can do things in the dark that you can't do in the, in the daytime, in the light, because people can see your deeds are exposed. And if we were with Jesus, we would recognize that we were living in the bright glare of the light. Now, Jesus could live in the light, because he was without sin. You know, I think if, uh, and we talked about this a little bit last week, I think if Jesus showed up here in the, in the 21st century, he would have news cameras following him everywhere he went. You know, they'd be hiding outside his house, they'd be hiding outside our church, everywhere that he went. They would be focusing on Jesus and getting a picture of Jesus and trying to catch him messing up in some way. <coughs> Well, you know, he was under that kind of scrutiny, although without the technology, when he was on the earth. And they never caught him slipping up. He was without sin. He could stand the glare of the lights. Now, how would you like to be watched like that? Actually, you are watched like that a little bit. Um, you ever got a ticket in the mail? Because they caught you going through the uh, stoplight and took a picture of you. Every time I go into Texas, go down to see Nathan in Austin, uh, when we get home, I get, a, I get a bill from the state of Texas for the toll roads that I rode on. And I didn't even, you know, you don't even realize it. That's really bad if you're in a rental car, I, I might tell you. Uh, because then they add their fee to it but you know there doesn't even have to be a traffic cop around they can catch you speeding and, and you're not there and you get a ticket in the mail there was a, a movie you know 20 years or so ago uh, with uh, oh, I forgot the, the actor's name but the movie was Enemy of the State anybody see that and the what Will Smith, that's who it was. They, somebody put a uh, package in a package that he was bringing home from the grocery shop or Christmas shopping, and then the FBI or the something I started chasing him, and they could follow everywhere he went through video cameras and street cameras and video cams and, and uh, traffic cameras and all that kind of stuff. And, and they were following him everywhere he went as he was trying to run away. And sometimes you can actually get the feeling that, that that's what it's like. You know, there, there's security cameras everywhere that you go. Um, in London, they're posting cameras in neighborhoods. And so that 
the police can keep watch in your neighborhood without even going in to your neighborhood. You know, you can get on the web. I'm sure that you, most of you have probably already done this. You get on the web and you can see a picture of your house from outer space. And then uh, in a lot of places, you know, I've never looked here, but in a lot of places, most places, you can even get a picture of your house from the, from the street and see what it looks like. Um, and it's interesting who's, whose car they catch in your driveway when they're taking a picture from, from, from outer space. Um, you know, just, just everywhere, there, there are people, webcams placed in strategic locations. Uh, before we went skiing, you know, you get on and check the webcam and look and see what the, the, the snow looks like on the slope, at the bottom, at the top. You know, there, there, there are cameras everywhere. And if Jesus were with us, those cameras would be placed on us, trying to catch us doing something that wasn't in right. But in his life, there were no inconsistencies. I'd hate for you to follow my life all the time. And I know you'd hate for me to follow your life all the time. But Jesus had nothing to hide. He's perfect. No sin. And then it says, so if we're walking in the light or we don't have fellowship with him. In other words, if you want to walk in the darkness, you don't want to be around Jesus because he's always in the light. He is the light. In verse 6 it said, if we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't live by the truth. So I think if, if he were here, we probably wouldn't want to walk with him. Because of the bright glare of the, of the searching lights. In verse 4 in chapter 2 he says. The man who says him. The man who says I know him. But does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Walking in him. Gives us the privilege. Of walking in the light. But what the light displays for us. Is that. We're not walking so good. We're not walking so well. And so that's why in, uh, in verse 9, John says, hey, you, you've messed up. If you think that you're living perfect, you, you've messed up. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word has no place in our lives. In other words, they already know that, that, that you can't withstand the light. But he's made, he's made a, a place for us. He's, he's made a path for us. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I think that if Jesus were here, we would be impressed by his holiness. But his holiness, our lives up next to his holiness, would show us for what we really are. And that's why he made provision for our sin. If, if, there, if anyone sins, and don't say you haven't, because then you're a liar. 
and you sin. So, so if, uh, if you sin, Jesus made provision for that sin. And if you will confess him, if you will confess your sins, he will forgive your sins and purify us. So we confess our sins. We have an advocate with the Father and we can lay claim to his atoning sacrifice. That's what John says there. That's what is all in that passage. If Jesus was here with us. But I, I, want, us, I want us to just think about it. I want us to look at it as, as best we can. From the perspective of Jesus who walks without sin. What, what would life look like? If we could see it from God's perspective. Let me, let me tell you about a man named Willie. Willie, when he was a young man, began using drugs for recreation. Um, he was told, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It'll make you feel good. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's just you. Uh, so he began to use drugs. And then he was in Wyoming, and he met a drug dealer who convinced him that, hey, since you're using drugs, you might as well help me sell them. And then you'll have money to buy them for, for your use. And so he joined him in the business. See how all of a sudden he goes from using them to now selling them. And so this, this drug dealer had dreamed up a really big scheme to make some big bucks. And Willie thought that that was great. Things were working out fine. They were making good contacts. They were setting up a network. But one day he and this his new colleague, his new friend, his new business association, were cruising down the road when the drug dealer saw a man traveling the opposite direction. And the drug dealer said to Willie, hey, I, I need to turn around and go kill that man. And he reached for his gun as he turned around. Willie said, I decided right at that minute, I got to get out of this. This is over my head. That's not what I expected life to be when I started down this path. But you see, God sees that path from the beginning. He knows it before you even start down it. What life is going to be like at the other end. What, is, what it's going to turn into. And so he hates sin. He hates it. Let me tell you about another man. Here's a friend of mine. Member of our church. When he, when he joined our church, not, not this church. When he joined our church, he came from a church in Albuquerque and joined our church. And the church that he was at in Albuquerque, he was the youth pastor. We thought, hey, this is great. We're getting a, a youth pastor for free. You know, he's, he's coming and he's going to join our church. And uh, our uh, minister of education enlisted him to teach a youth Sunday school class. And before he started teaching it, before he started teaching the class, his daughter went to a conference at school. She was a sophomore in high school and turned him in for abusing her. And I went with his wife to the courthouse in Santa Fe 
after his trial, actually he, he admitted to it, it wasn't a, really a trial, but I went with her to the courthouse in Santa Fe when they sentenced him to 36 years in the New Mexico State Prison for, for the abuse. Well, needless to say, it had destroyed his life. The first thing that happened, he lost his job. And then he went to prison. It destroyed her life. Uh, they lost their house. The daughter never, I don't think she's ever recovered. I've lost track of them now, but, you know, she was a mess uh, as long as I knew. They moved to uh, Colorado so they could be around her family. Uh, he had two sons. Do, do you see how it messed up the whole life? His, his sin messed up the whole family. And this mom raised those three kids in poverty. And without her family, her extended family, and her church family, she, she would have been homeless and on the street and nowhere to go. I can't tell you how many times our deacons met and paid her mortgage until she finally was able to sell the house because, you know, he left her destitute. So who says that what I do in the privacy of my own home only affects me. You know, it, it, affect, it affects everybody. You know, the school shootings that we're seeing now. Uh, we convinced ourselves, we told ourselves for, for years and years, actually, when I say we, I'm not using it in the you and me sense, I'm using it in our societal sense, that there was nothing wrong with violent video games. There was nothing wrong with all the violent movies that, that we were feeding into our kids' lives. And for, you know, for most of us, there's not anything wrong with it. But there are people who can't handle it, who, whose, whose uh, makeup is such that they can't distinguish between video and reality. And so we've built a society where disobedience has no consequences. We have told ourselves that, hey, this divorce is not a problem. It's okay. It's okay that boys and girls are raised by single parents. We've eliminated morality from our culture and then wonder why nobody makes right decisions. My friend Jesus hates sin. He's perfect and he hates it. He hates the little sins in my life and the little sins in your life because he can see where they wind up down the road. Let, let me... Let, let me tell you an, another story. It's one that you've heard, but it gives us a, a, an understanding of why sin is bad. Can you use your imagination? Can you use your imagination with your eyes open, or do you need to shut your eyes to use your imagination? But I want you to use your imagination just for a minute. And I want you to, to take a trip with me. 
Because right over that hill, there, there's a scene that we're going to go take a look at. And it's as ugly a scene as you'll ever see. And as we get there, we see that there's a crowd. And they're all standing around a cross. And on that cross hangs our friend Jesus. The one we've been walking with and talking with and talking about. The one whom we've seen commit no sin. The one whom we've seen love everybody. He's on that cross. He's been beaten to within an inch of his life. He's bleeding from his hands and his feet and his head and his back. They're executing him. But he's done nothing wrong. We know that he hasn't done anything wrong. He's been walking with us. He's, he's been in our church. We know that he's been right and he's been holy. He's wa we've watched him for years and he's never once stumbled. Never once did less than his best. So why? Why is he on the cross? Why are they punishing him like that? Well, Peter, who was one of his disciples, knows the answer to that. And he told us. Listen to what he said. He himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins. And his body on the cross. So that we might die to sin. And live for righteousness. By his wounds you are healed. Why is he on that cross? He's on that cross because of what we did. Not because of what he did. No wonder, my friend, Jesus hates sin. He knows where it winds up. It's not because he's a killjoy. It's because just the three instances that, that I've shared with you, he has seen those scenarios played out a countless number of times since humans haven't inhabited the earth. And he knows that eventually it winds up in death. And he was... Loving and holy enough to pay your sin for you. I don't know. Does that give you a different viewpoint on sin and what it is? And so we confess our sin to God. John says, hey, you have to. If you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so we're not afraid to walk in the light with him because we're walking with him. I think I think if Jesus was here, I think if Jesus went to church with us, if Jesus went to the store with us, 
Jesus went to school with us, if he went to work with us, if we were around Jesus all the time, I think we would renounce sin and evil every bit as loudly as he does. And we would see the triumph of holiness and righteousness. You know, that that's heavy, guys. It was a whole lot easier to talk about love, huh? But that's the implications of holiness. Of what it means to be without sin. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your righteousness and your holiness. Thank you for showing us what sin is like and where it winds up. And then, Father, being willing to pay the penalty for our sins so that we might have life here and life in eternity. Father, I pray for the hearts of each person who is with me in this room today. If there's one who's never confessed their sins to Christ and they've never asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, that, Father, you would just draw them to you and help them to make that choice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our closing song. And as we do, you know, we don't give a regular invitation here because of the room and because of the pastor's bad ears and all kinds of excuses that we give. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'd sure like to talk to you about that. I'd like to visit with you, and I'm really easy to talk to. Just ask anybody. So you just come and say that, uh, talk to me about it, okay? So we can talk to you about it. So we're, we're, we're planning, by the way, a baptism service here pretty, pretty soon. Um, we have at least one who wants to be baptized. And if you've never followed the Lord in baptism, you might want to talk to me about that as well. Um, Brother Mike, let's sing. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam? Further and farther away, calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is calling today. God bless, you're dismissed.